I like that raw emotion. Like when you were a kid and you woke up on Saturday morning and let's say you were into Barbie dolls and you had that doll that you've been your eye on for all of the, you know, the whole year. You open that gift and it's that Barbie doll. That moment when you're just looking like you're just pure joy, pure awe, that's what I like to capture. Before we get into this episode, I know you've been struggling with the idea of starting your own business and launching a premium product that you know is gonna transform lives. So I have a bomb resource for you. The man himself, Words Taylor, is going to help you launch your product or service for the clients who need your help right now. Now you can't call yourself a business owner unless you are getting in front of new clients every single day, and Words knows exactly how to do that. All you have to do is tap in so he can teach you his six-figure launch strategy that's produced over $5 million in client sales. So all you have to do is go to highticketlaunchsecrets.com. That's highticketlaunchsecrets.com and get into the free training. It's happening this week. So go to highticketlaunchsecrets.com and let's get into the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle, and I got the finest photographer in Atlanta. Can I say the globe just yet? Uh, yeah, let's, 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 let's do it. The highest photographer in, on the globe here with me on the Work and Play Podcast to share a little bit about his story. Now, the cool thing about this guy is he comes from an engineering background, right? And so one would wonder, what the heck made you transition from, for, like, from engineer, super duper logical, to photographer, which is super creative? And I'm sure you're going to be able to help us understand how that, those two merge. Definitely. So if you would, introduce yourself. That would be wonderful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that intro. My name is Brandon Ramsey. I'm from Alexandria, Virginia. And then I recently moved to Atlanta in July. In July, and you moved to to Atlanta in July for what? For photography, full time. Ain't that not the wonderful thing? Like when it comes to the leap, first of all, there's so many people along my journey that I'm meeting who who really like counted on themselves, like bet on themselves. Yeah. And when I meet people who met who, well, I live in Atlanta, right? But transition from wherever the heck they were to Atlanta, I'm like, okay, you really, really like better on better on yourself. Yeah. It uh, it was crazy because. I had the thought of doing full-time photography for a while like because I felt that I wasn't fulfilled in my job and I probably battled with it for about like a year and a half or two and then there was one day in May no March I had listened to a sermon by Daniel Bridgeford who was a pastor in Arlington Virginia mm. and it just felt like the whole thing was talking to me and it was one of those things that kind of felt like God was upset with me. And he was like, look, I didn't kept giving you all these signs. If you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. And then that day, that was a Sunday. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. The next day I wrote my resignation letter and turned it in. So April 1st, I was full time entrepreneur. April 1st, 2021? Yep. Whoa, that was this year. Mm hmm. And were you guys like that was so were you guys like out of Corona? Where was Corona at? Like were you guys back in the office or still? No, so we were still working from Yeah, so and the thing about it, people some people was like, You're crazy because my job, I was an educational consultant. So it was for a product that helped kids, um, elementary, middle school, high school, and college. But I was close to close to or made a hundred thousand a year, mm -hmm. um, full time remote, and they allowed me to move, so I can work anywhere in the world. And I was traveling, yeah. like eighty percent of my jobs. People's like, you really want to leave this? And I was just like, yeah, like, cause at first, 
I'm so used to being hands-on with community service with kids. That's what I like. And so transitioning using photography, I was like, okay, I'm not hands-on, but I use my camera to tell the story. So me still working that job, I went from being hands-on to being a consultant where I actually helped the teachers who helped the students. Okay. The level of remove and I didn't have that fulfillment. And so it started to play out because I was usually a top performer at my job, but that last year with Corona, I can never like crack like number two or number one. And it was just like, I don't understand why. Like I do my job, I'm very punctual, I'm competitive, so I'm always trying to be at the top of the leaderboard. Oh, that's what you meant. When you said crack number two or number one, yeah. the leaderboard that you guys do yeah. like monthly? Yep, mm. every month. And it was like, for some reason, after a while, I just couldn't get to it. And I'm like, I'm doing everything that I do the same every month, you know, I'm improving, but I just couldn't get there. And it was something that was like, this is not for you no more. Like it's time for you to leave or change or do whatever you need to do. And so once I kind of realized that, stopped arguing with God and just made the decision, it was it was love from there. Wow. I oftentimes think about that. Like you were in the space of like the great resignation, right? And someone would definitely be like, why would you quit when you, you got the flexibility, you got the work from home, you yeah. got the pay. But for you, it sounds like in your soul, it just wasn't it wasn't sitting well with you anymore. That's what it was. Because like my job, I had asked them to move. They allowed me to move to Charlotte. So I moved to Charlotte and then it was only a couple months later I moved down here once I met Brandon and all that little circle. So can you talk a little bit about the pool then? Because I feel like on the surface, we got all the reasons why, like that you weren't hitting the leaderboard, like you're doing the same things every day. The, the work is you're two steps removed from the from the impact. So like those are like the um, surface level ways to like assess. We're not happy. Mm -hmm. We want to leave. But like, what did it feel like? You're right before you got to the sermon, you're experiencing, I'm, I'm imagining like some type of a pull. Yeah. And what was it like for you going to work every day, trying to hit the leaderboard, but you don't even want to be there anymore? Yeah. So it was, it was a struggle because I knew that I could do the work and I was capable because I've done it before. And that's what I'm known for. Like, oh, okay, so we know Brandon gonna come through in the clutch. He's gonna help us make our numbers. So it got to the point that I started thinking to myself, like, are you not good at your job anymore? Like, what's really going on? So once I started to sit back and I'm just like, I don't know, that's not it. Like something else has to be toying with me. And so then also I've always had this thought, like I wanna do something else. So like with photography, I had found a situation because I knew I had a full-time job. So I was like, okay, let me find a situation where I can hook up with someone. They book the clients, I just come and shoot. Mm -hmm. So I found a media company up there that just did just that. So he will book it, set it up. I would either be his first photographer or a second photographer. So that worked for a while. But then I realized I was still missing out on opportunities during the week because I was at my nine to five job. So like, um, I'll have an opportunity, oh, can you come shoot this client? We're gonna be such and such on Tuesday. I'm like, no, I gotta work. So I kind of started feeling bad, like, bro, like I'm missing out on something. I need to be doing this. This is gonna get me to the next level if this is what I, what I really, really wanna do. So mm -hmm. um, that pull was just like, all right, you got this tussle back and forth. So I just started going to God like, I know I asked you for a sign before, but can you make it a little bit more prominent? Like, just tell me like, you need to quit. Yeah. So after a while, you know, just going back and forth, I started doing like daily devotionals. I started doing um, fasting. I started just doing a whole bunch of stuff to kind of just get myself aligned with what I need to do right. And like I said, once it came to a head with that sermon, it was just like, all right, this is what it is. Yeah. What I love about your story is that it didn't take um, something really drastic or something like negative or um, 
uh, what do you call it, like a fatal situation yeah. for you to realize or wake up that this is the path that you wanted to go on? Because when you say um, you knew that this was the path that would take you to the next level, it sounds like it was going to take you to the next level as a human. Yes. Not like in terms of career and stuff, because we all know, like once you leave that six figure job, there's yeah. a whole journey. So when you decided to make that journey, did you prepare yourself for a, like a financial shift? I did not. It was funny because that was one of the reasons why I was waiting so long is because, you know, everybody said, oh, you need to have at least six months put away. You right. need a contingency. You need this. You need that. And I was working on that. But like, got to the point, it was just like, no, like, bro, I, I can't stay that long. It's not going to work. And when I quit, when I quit my job or fired my boss, it was just like the next day, you know, that realization set in. I was like, oh, shit, like. You ain't got enough. Like, how you gonna pay your rent? What you gonna do? Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, did I make the wrong decision? And I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna trust God and I'm gonna try. But as many nights I went back to God, I was like, you know what? Maybe you can just throw another nine to five this way. Give me on a right. on the up and up. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was definitely a reality set in that next day. But I stuck with it. And it was funny because that next day, that evening, Brandon called me for a job. Ah. So he was like, yo, are you free like Thursday? And I was like, yeah. He was like, all right, bet. Come on down here. Um, and I got a job for you. And ever since then, I've just been rolling. I love how that happens. I was like, man. It's, so, it's like, it's like um, you know, we're both college educated, right? So there's practical and then there's theory. Yeah. When it comes to trusting God. Oh, there ain't no theory. You, you, you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. and, but as soon as you do it. Because you can't really, I, I can't coach enough people to say, as soon as you trust them, you'll see. Yeah. That's one of those things that you really, truly, we can do all the planning in the world. But as soon as you trust him, it, it's like a Hail Mary, but it was already <laughs> on its way. For sure. Hey. Definitely. Do you, um, do you know the story in the Bible about Abraham? Yeah. So where he was going up the hill. Yeah. yeah. He, was, he was supposed to be sacrificing. His his son, and yeah. then there was a, a ram caught in the thing. Yeah. I oftentimes feel like that's what it feels like to finally like trust. When you finally just do the thing and then right around the corner, Brandon calls you. That's the ram in the bush. Yeah. For you. Yeah. And it's like God is like until you pass this test, you can go through it over and over again. So a lot of times we like, nah, I don't want to do it that way. I'm going to do it another way. And he's like, all right, I'm going to just keep giving you the same one until you get it right. Dang. So now that you are in Atlanta, Brandon gave you that call. And since then, you've been booked and busy. Yes. What is uh, your photographer life like now that you're here? Uh, right now, it's a little... It's a little hectic because now that I'm here, it was so much information. Like just being around his circle, just hearing what they talk about, it was like, okay, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then I had to speak to him and I had to sit back and think to myself, like, all right, which way do I go? Like, who do I follow? Who do I listen to? Mm -hmm. And then he was just like, you just got to pick one and go with it. He was like, you can't do everything at once, so pick one and go with it. If photography is your thing right now, pick that, and maybe you can do something else. So we talked about like credit repair. Okay. So I worked on like my credit, so I did that a little bit, and but photography was my main goal. And then that's kind of where I'm at now. And so in photography, I'm at a place where I'm setting up my systems and getting the automation in place so I can actually expand and take my photography to the next level. Because right now it's me and I have like one other person, but eventually I want a whole team. So I want to have other photographers, other videographers, and then also when someone purchased my package I want to be able to have a makeup artist and a hairstylist there mm. so when you come purchase I'm like okay 
it's this price, but I can also add you, uh, show you the value because you're gonna get these photos, we're gonna do all this, and then you're gonna get your makeup and your hair done. Yeah. So you can justify what you're spending, so you can see the value. Yeah, speaking of value, um, you were the first professional photographer, like in terms of that headshot that we did at the content creation boot camp, where it was supposed to happen, but it didn't, <laughs> yeah. but then it did, but then it didn't, but anyway. And that photo, I think, really like, was a bit of a catalyst for my, professional brand externally okay. right because i think a lot of times people don't value photos right um when i was in corporate the last headshot that i took you know the company was just like yeah. no actually there was a a group like a um you know how we have those um business lead business yeah. business group resource groups and they had a photographer kind of set up and that was my last professional photo it lasted me maybe like five years right like okay. i wasn't getting updated my content yeah so when you took that photo of me, it just said like, you know, let me let me start doing this more often. Like, ooh, are we gonna switch your headshot every quarter? Because it was so crisp. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was crazy because I wasn't supposed to be there at that event. That was an Orion event and I came to help him out. And so I didn't even know that they had headshots on the flyer or whatever it was supposed to be. So when you said it, I was like, no, I'm not supposed to do headshots. But I was like, you know, she seems nice. She was genuine when she came up to me. I was like, oh, if you need one, we can do it. And like five, ten minutes. Yeah, you killed it, though. That was dope. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that helped. Also, speaking of the value, it was the way that it was five minutes, but anyone would think coming to the situation, oh, we just did it five minutes. I can just set up a camera and do it myself. You blurred out the background. You moved some <laughs> stuff, like way back on the table to make it look like everything was placed properly yeah. so your eye the way that you did it like anyone would think oh yeah five minutes i'll do it and then after someone like me does it themselves they're like oh i need some help <laughs> i need some help and so when that when you're saying like your next level is putting together the the makeup the the hair and being able to just kind of bring the production to them yeah. the value is especially if someone there's someone like me who's an entrepreneur they want to actually like have a professional like persona out there don't try to do don't try to do it yourself y'all listen um I will speak, I'm speaking from, from experience. It's, it's really like having a professional to like put that stuff together is amazing. So um, let's talk a little bit about your journey. Okay. Cause we, we definitely have to connect the dots. Um, I'm super curious about the photography, but I think we're gonna get back to, get back to that part. So when you were um, growing up, mm -hmm. right? Um, what was your your thing? Because you went to this really logical field of engineering. So, like, what was your, like, passion? What did you want to be when you grew up? Got you. So, in high school, I was always good at math. Mm. Um, and that was kind of my downfall because I didn't really care about anything else. So, math was cool. I didn't have to study. I'll go in, I'll ace a test, uh, which created really poor study habits for me. And so, when it was time to graduate high school, my mom is like, well, what are you going to do? And being inner city youth, single parent home, I really didn't know any successful people. And she was like, are you gonna go to college or whatever? I'm like, eh, I don't know. And it was funny because she was like, if you're gonna be in my house, you're either gonna work or you're gonna go to school. And it was one Saturday morning, she woke me up early and she was like, we go you're going to college. Like we got in the car and we drove down to Virginia State University. And she was like, you're gonna fill out the application right here and you're gonna go to school. And so we went down early that morning. I took the test, I passed. And then they told me to write the essay, I passed. 
and then I had to take a math test to get placed <laughs> and I took it and I didn't do well and my mom was like no you didn't try for that math test mm. and I was like well, what do you mean she was like I know you I know math is a subject like you didn't try and she asked the lady could I take it over and the lady let me take it over and so they did that and I got placed higher and she was like now if I can wake you up on a Saturday morning you come down here and get accepted on a spot like what are you gonna do with your life she was like you have the ability you just have not putting forth the effort and that was how I got into Virginia State University and then they was kind of asked me like what I want to do and they asked me like some physical education I was like nah that's too easy so I ended up going with engineering because I felt it'll be a challenge wait a minute <laughs> we sitting here looking at physical education and engineering just yeah. like oh, I think I'll challenge myself yeah I was like I'll do that I was like it got math I'll do it okay I want to get to that challenge but your mom your mom you you grew up with your mom yeah and your mom obviously pushed you to like just try yep what was it like kind of growing up was she um an entrepreneur herself no so she had a nine to five nine to five all her life she's been an accountant mm. okay and so maybe that's how she knew you were good at math she could pick up on those skills yeah. maybe and mm. i mean math was the so when it came to math class, that was a subject like i can just do it like I would ace all my tests and everything. Any other subject like reading history, all it? Nah, that, that was out the word. I would always forget homework, not do it, but math, I was always intrigued and did it. Okay, well shout out to mom for picking that, picking that up. And then you said you decided on engineering because you wanted a challenge, but up until this point, you hadn't really applied yourself yeah. at all. So where did this like mindset <laughs> for a challenge have, come from? I have no idea, to be honest. Like that was just what I picked. Cause I was like, okay, they do a lot of math there. You know, maybe that'll be something I want to do. And I just went with it. Okay. So you went with it. What was it like? Like, did you know what you wanted to do in engineering? You just chose the major, like, or how did they roll out the career opportunities? Yeah. So with engineering, um, I kind of went the mechanical route because I like to, I like to see stuff done. Like we in here, we put together this couch. At the end of it, you could be like, I made that couch. Mm -hmm. Like, I like that satisfaction at the end. And so I went with mechanical and I got into it. And then I started to realize and understand how things work. Like, oh, things, this how it flows, or this goes here. So one thing that really caught my interest, we used to work on a lot of engines. That was cool, because it was for race cars, but I like bridges. So I was should have went in towards civil, but I stuck with the mechanical because I like to understand how they work. Like, OK, the reason why they use triangles, because it's one of the strongest you know, shapes that you can use and the way the structure is and the loads and stuff like that. So that was really interesting to me. And so that's just where I went. OK, so at this point, it's just interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not a passion. It's just like something like, OK, cool. All these things that I can get into, I could possibly. And while you found an interest in the space, you decided to still go um mechanical is that because of the prestige or was it easy for you no i just i just like that at the end because they kind of they work with all the different fields so they work with electrical engineers they work with civil mm. they did all that type so they there was always a mechanical engineer somewhere to kind of actually how things function and put together so when it all comes down to it i'm hearing the word stability yeah because a lot of times when i'm talking to these when i'm talking to us right we somehow everything goes back to like a foundation of like stability and I think that's what gives us the comfort when we get our nine to five yeah that was definitely a mentality yeah and then um I like the part that they had so they have CAD which is like computer automated design mm -hmm. so I like that part where you actually 
create the pieces and put them together so mm. let's say you wanted to build a car before we get there we got to do it in CAD to see if everything goes together then we can put it on a blueprint and then we can actually start the building process mm. and so to be the person we like at the end I'm like oh, oh yeah like you know I put the screws and this and da 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 and made that car and you're like what like yeah so it's just like the little things is like I feel like I accomplished something great I like it you get to see what what you create mm -hmm. Um, which kind of goes, we're, we're, it makes a little bit of sense. Like now, like you as a photographer, you get to literally like have an output, a deliverable, which a lot of times people don't get a chance to do. Yeah. And so when it comes to photography, I like, I like that raw emotion. Like when you were a kid and you woke up on Saturday morning and let's say you were into Barbie dolls and you had that doll that you've been your eye on for all of the, you know, the whole year. You open that gift and it's that Barbie doll. That moment when you're just looking like you're just pure joy, pure awe, that's what I like to capture. Because mm. you can't get it back. But you have that memory. So let's say it's 10 years down the line, your mom or your dad passed, whatever, and I show you that picture again. Mm. All of that's going to come rushing back. Like, oh, we were in the house. The tree was over in the corner. I've been asking for that doll all this year. And this is what I got. Like, mm. you can always play that memory over and over again. So that's what I like to capture. I love that. So I don't, I, I, with, for me, I'm seeing a bridge. Okay. I'm saying a bridge between like the the like emotional like moment and then like you 10 years down the line and like photography being able to create that bridge and it makes me curious why did you like bridges i didn't even like i didn't ask oh, like why did you know. like bridges i don't know you have a community uh, engagement bone in you so we can we can kind of get back to the um the engineering side of you but you have this community engagement um bone in you and a lot of initiatives are all about like bridging the gap yeah, yeah like if you think about like what was the first time you said like because you have this community engagement bone and yeah. that's a bridge theme and then like which the way you ex explain like photography and how you bridge the gap between you know future or future self past and memory like how that works there seems like some nuance in it so okay. what was the first time you said like Bridges is a thing. I don't know, but now that you mentioned it, I start to realize that I've mentioned, I've used that word or that term before, like I'm the bridge between two counterparts. Like I know when I was younger, um, with the community service, I did a lot of speaking. So I was the bridge between my friends who would just wear, you know, t-shirts and all of that. And then the other friends who would wear like suits and be the professional. And then also I just thought about it. My home chapter for my fraternity, our nickname is The Bridge. So I never even thought about that before. There's so much. <laughs> we got to unpack it. There's so much. Now, one thing is, um, and you guys have to know this, uh, Brandon and I have had plenty of conversations where we're, we're spitballing, really, like brain, brainstorming, and we get to a place where we're like, okay, that's a good question, but we don't never explore. Ooh, I think this true. is a moment for us to like really like sit um, and think about it. But while we do that, um, Let's talk a little bit about that fraternity. So you were in a fraternity while you were in college? No, so I didn't really know about it in college. So when I found out it was a little too late, it was going on my senior year. Mm. And so I didn't get in uh, because I was beyond the date. But when I graduated, I looked into it at home. So in Woodbridge, Virginia, there was a chapter of Kappa Alpha Psi. I went through that and I ended up uh, becoming a member of that chapter. So it's called The Bridge. Okay, it's called The Bridge. So when you were in college, 
You didn't know about fraternities? So I just knew that they stepped. Yeah. But I didn't know the community service or none yeah. of the other aspects of what they do. Because um, mm -hmm. my mom went to college, but she didn't finish. Mm -hmm. So she was just like, yeah, they have these group of black men who get together. So, you know, for me being young, like a freshman, when I go in the yard, I see them stepping in and getting the girls. So that's all I knew. But then as I got older, you know, going up in my, my years, at, uh, like a junior and stuff like that, I started to interact with people and they'd be like, oh yeah, I am an alpha, I am a kappa and we gotta go do this this weekend. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, so y'all do more than just showboat on the yard. And then there were a couple guys that I was close to come to find out they were kappas. Mm. And so then I was like, oh, okay, so let me do my research. Then I started studying to find out they do community service, you know, they're spiritual, they have a bunch of other things that they do. And I was like, okay, let me, you know, inquire and see about it. But when I inquired, you have to kind of do it a year before because by the time you in inquire it's already going on that process in pro in, in play so mm -hmm. i did it a little too late so i looked into it once i got out and so i mean it was one of the best things i did yeah when i was in college um there were i can't say two there were the girls who i say girl because I'm a, I'm a woman but the girls who knew they wanted to be a delta when mm -hmm. they were freshmen and they went through the process like in sophomore year i suppose and then there was me, which I never, I hate to say, it, I never saw the value in it when I was in college. Gotcha. Um, I'm a very like social butterfly. So I thought, and these are the things that I used to say. <laughs> I feel bad, but I'm, I'm gonna have to say it now because I'm on my <laughs> way here. Uh, but I used to be like, that's a high paid like friendship. Because I'm like, I can make friends all day. Um, I was a heavy, I didn't, I didn't have the term networker at the time, but I was gotcha. a very big networker. And I just, I found this other group called MLT, which took me in a complete, it was like a professional development group for college students. Okay. When I look at like the um, social capital that fraternity, uh, sororities and fraternities have, I think that's pretty dope because it, it really does seem like a sisterhood or a brotherhood. Um, especially since from a career perspective, you put your, your um, resume in and mm -hmm. like, oh, you're a Delta. Oh, you're, you know, Kappa. And so that social capital, I always wonder, like, did I miss out on that part? So for you, you said it was, you know, best decision you ever made. What are some of those things that you feel like you got out of it intrinsically or experientially that you think is the best thing that you ever made? Got you. So for me, <clears throat> um, Kappa's done a lot. And I think, like you said in the beginning, it was like, I'm paying a lot just for a relationship. But what helped me is once I graduated and I did the grad chapter, I got a lot of wisdom from the older gentleman. Like, okay, this is how you need to set up your bank accounts. This is how you need to do your jobs. Do you have a 401k? Oh, you ain't got a good suit? Go here. This is what you need to do. So a lot of those conversations came after, you know, instead of just being on the yard and partying and things like that. So that helped me a lot because, like I said, growing up in a single parent household, um, Google was my father. Mm. So, you know, anything I need to know, I'm Googling to see if that was, you know, what it needed to be. So they helped me in that sense. And then it also helped me to give some structure to my life and just some some prestige. Like, bro, when you step out, you got to make sure you look right. Like have this in order, make sure your bow ties right, make sure your clothes. Are. So it just kind of helped me put that in full motion and uh, amplify what I was already doing. So I think in those aspects, it helped me. And then also when it came to like going different places so i may go somewhere i don't know nobody and it's like oh i do got this network i can tap into mm. let me see if there's a local chapter of anybody's around that is a kappa and they can you know kind of give me the rope show me around so in my job when i used to travel a lot 
I didn't know anybody in those cities, so I would tap in, go in, be like, oh, okay, in Indianapolis, Zinni Capazit area, you know, and they'd be like, oh, the chapter house is on such and such street, or they're having this meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, you just go tap in and you'll be able to talk to people that are in that area and then they can tell you where things are, good restaurants or where you need to go and things of that nature. Yeah. You mentioned that early on in like your, your process, like in, in the grad chapter, they were helping you also with like getting together your bank account, your resume, mm -hmm. like from a career perspective. So were they instrumental in you getting like your first job and was your first job in engineering? Uh, no, because I was already in that path. So I was part of a community program was called Reach mm -hmm. in DC area. And so it helps inner city youth to get your, you know, your communication skills together, your interview uh, suits, and then they do all type of community service projects. And so I was in that from a young age. So I was kind of already groomed and on that path. So I had done internships on Capitol Hill for like Verizon and stuff and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So I was already there, but they, but Kappa helped me take that to the next level. Um, one thing about when it came to engineering, I was cocky when I was in school. So I felt that you really couldn't tell me nothing. I guess that was part of it because I didn't have a father figure in the house. So the authority thing, I wasn't a fan. Of. You've always been the man of the house. Yeah. So, cause when I was in school, my Dean, like me and him used to bump heads all the time because he would try to get me to do things certain ways and I'm like, no, I'm not doing it, I'm gonna do it my way. Um, and so we used to always get in arguments and my mom always say like, yo, you're hard headed, like you just wanna be stubborn, do it your way. And so I had got an opportunity to go work for North of Grumman when I graduated. I didn't wanna What's go, North so it's a big like engineering firm, like top tier, so if you're there, you're going to be there for life. You're in it. You're good. Mm. So I got the opportunity to go work for them, but I didn't take it because it was in Norfolk, Virginia. So that's kind of like, I don't know, it's like the country going from here. Ah, so I was like, I don't yeah, go. I was like, I want to go back home. I'm trying to go back to the city. Da, 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 da. So I didn't take the opportunity. One of my friends, I went back home and I had the hardest time finding a job. Mm. And I was like, damn, like, so that's, I don't live with regrets, but that is one decision I would probably over but if i did that i wouldn't be here right now so exactly it, it kind of works out the way that i hear it you were cocky and that's who you were that's who you were that's the beat that was your being if anything could have changed you would say humble yourself yeah. right why do that <laughs> why would we want to do that true that's the only thing that i could see that would that would have shifted your trajectory in that space yeah. so you decided you know I'm going to wait it out. We waited it out and we saw what happened. And so then what happened? So I'm extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship. So I had to share the one thing, the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur. And that's the morning meetup. I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm, I'm leaving corporate America. So I'm used to those morning huddles. We got our sales. We know what our goals are and we get our day started. So I was missing that for two years before I even found the morning meetup now the second thing that i really really benefited from was the revenue revenue generating activities was not necessarily a thing before 2021 now i had my llc i had my website i had a few clients here and there but the momentum really took off as soon as i got around like-minded individuals and people who really knew the struggles that i was already dealing with that i could get over my fear of sales and communicating my value and putting myself out there on social media the friends that i've developed the mentors and the mentees that I've that I've created relationships with 
everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs. So if you want to develop as an entrepreneur, you're leaving corporate America and you're trying to figure out how do I get my footing in entrepreneurship, then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you. You can learn with us, you can grow with us. And I didn't even mention that we have a book club. Join us in the community. Let's get started today. You will not regret it. I had a couple engineering jobs from there, but it just wasn't panning out. Like I had one that was in Richmond, so I used to work for a company that used to like boilers and broilers and things like that. So like the air conditioning, heating, all that stuff to make buildings run. Okay. But the person I was working under, he retired and then they like did away with the whole program. So from there, I just went back home. I was like, I don't know what to do. Um, and then I kind of just did some odd end jobs. Like I used to work for uh, Our Eyes, so I was a lab tech. Because they was like, oh, you have like a technical background. Let's see how you do in the lab. Mm -hmm. And so I was actually making eyeglasses from scratch. Did so, you enjoy that? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like just to make glasses. And I know that's going to help somebody. Like it kind of came at a moment for me. There was a, a baby that came in. was like <clears throat> six months. But they had like some eye disease and they needed glasses at six months. So being able to make those glasses and them being able to see, like to see the smile on the child's face is like, okay, it's worth it now. So that was pretty cool to actually make eyeglasses. So I did that for a while. And then I just kind of did other odd jobs until I really got into the consultant space. Um, and that actually came from, that was a fraternity brother. He was like, what do, what do you think about going into this space? And I was like, I don't know. He was like, well, think about it. You do community service you do public speaking all the time. You're always helping somebody do something like you can be a consultant. And I was like, Okay, I'll try it. But what does community service and everything have to do with consulting? Because I guess community service, like you're always hands on with like kids, you're in the space, you're helping them put things together, you're walking them through the process, you're showing them from A to Z. So that's kind of how it translated. Okay, let me create this program for you. This is where you start and this is how you get to the end and I'll help you along the way. Okay, so you're you're developed. You have the engineering background. Um, you've had jobs, technical jobs, and engineering jobs. You do community service, so you find yourself using that information to teach them how to do something, like creating a program. Like, what was one of the programs that you created? I'm trying to understand. Yeah, so I mean, there was a couple things. So when it came to the kids. Uh, I mean, some of the simple things we did, we helped them get jobs. So, okay, mm -hmm. you need to take this so you can, and a lot of kids that we had, they were from other countries, so their English wasn't that great. So, okay, this is what we need to do. We need to put you in this ESL class or whatever it may be to get your English up. You need to take this so you can get your green card. You need to do this so we can get you in school. So those are kind of like the easier programs, but then we also created programs to help put them through like, okay, we're going to create an outreach program in this community that doesn't have any youth. Mm -hmm. So let's open a community center that's teach some of these people how to be directors, how they providers, whatever they need to be and allow that to grow. So we did different programs like that. And those are kind of things that I help different people with. And that kind of translated into me being a consultant because uh, people always tell me like I'm very technical and I need A through Z like I need to know A through Z before I can even teach to someone so when it came to being a consultant I had to understand the programs and the products that we provided people yeah and so these programs and products help students figure out what college they want to go to what are their strong points what are their weaknesses what they need to work on and things of that nature mm -hmm. so just being able to walk somebody through that A through Z to help a student get in school was what, what I did well. Got you. And when you say we, so, I mean, was we, it was like a consultant team. So it was a bunch of us. 
Wait a minute. Okay. But even before your homeboy, if your fraternity brother said, hey, why don't you do consulting? You were doing that beforehand. Kind of, yeah. Just. So when did you get exposure to like start creating program? What was the bridge between uh, college engineering, right? Your technical jobs and then community service. Like, how did that fit into what it was? That um, you were doing? I guess I was just doing it the whole time because, like I said, the community program, I started as like the pilot program as the kid being in it. And mm. then I worked my way up till I was teaching it. This is the REACH program you were talking yes. about. Oh, so when you say we, you were in that program growing, you were developing as a youth yourself. Correct. Then you got your first job, but you're still involved. Yeah. And then you're you're working these other jobs. You're you're still also a Kappa at this point. And yep. you're working, but because you're a part of this organization Reach, you're doing community service all the time. Yeah, the whole time. So you're also bridging the gap between <laughs> what you're doing and you're teaching these young people. You're always like reaching back and teaching these yeah. young people different things. Career readiness. Um, it could be technical, I'm assuming. Um, so some of those programs were just helping you basically break down what you know. Yeah. And at one time I was a Manny too. A Manny? Yeah. Are like, you in Manny work? <laughs> I was in a house with, I think it was like 10 to 12 guys trying to get them acclimated and off to school. So yeah. Got it. So at this point, you are an engineer by trade. What would you say yeah. you, your trade is? Uh, I guess when I came home, I had a couple. So this time I'm probably still doing like the technical work, like the hour eyes and other things like that, mm -hmm. getting into that consultant work. Mm. When I got into skills-based volunteering, um, I was, so I would call what you're, what you're, what you're describing skills-based volunteering. Are you familiar with the term? No. It's basically, so I learned about it when I was um, at my last company and uh, Basically, you get employees or people who have a skill set to go to the um, like homeless shelter or whatever, the foster care spot um, to teach a thing. Right. Okay. And so we were teaching career readiness as well. Um, and in that process, I developed a program that would teach people like teach young people to go from homelessness to um, to corporate. OK. So for me, the way that I learned about how to develop a program for young people was through lots of questions and like understanding like what do they need in order for us to like get them a job and then get them be, make them be success, successful what was it for you because you were also an inner city you had grown up in the program yeah what was it for you that you think made the programs that you were part of a success uh what made those programs a success one i would say the teamwork and then two i would say the people that came from it so it wasn't outsiders like oh we're just going to implement this program this is on paper it was actually people from the inner city like oh this is what i went through this is what i had to overcome and they kind of helped us and shaped us like this is what you can become if you do it so i think those people who actually were part of the situation that we were in helped more than anything yeah yeah i used to find that the people who i had helped me who had their own experiences with like homelessness or whatever, I feel like they had a really good um, knack for connecting yeah. with the young people. Even though I created the program, I was like, and they looked at me a certain, like with certain um, trust. Mm -hmm. I developed that trust, but I never felt like I experienced what yeah. you experienced, right? And they bond with people differently that have that same experience. Exactly. So for you, um, because you, you got all the way to corporate and then you're reaching back to other inner cities. What was some of, do you remember a time when like, 
a young person was going through something. Either they were they were about to get kicked out of the program, or just one of those situations where you like, listen, bro, come, yeah. come on. <laughs> but it resonated with your story. Do you remember a time where you were able to make that connection? Uh, there were a couple because I think I resonated with them because I kind of I want to say like I was kind of like a cool kid. So like. Even though we were, you know, inner city, whatever it may be, I always had like nice shoes, a dress, polo, all of that stuff. So it was like, okay, I can relate to this guy because yeah, I'm in this situation, but he's always fresh. He always driving a car or something like that. So there were a couple times, and I'm actually close with a lot of them now that I had to sit back like, yo, I know what you're trying to do, but like this ain't working. Like we got to take this another path. Like I've been there before. I understand your situation with your mom or things or whatever it may be. And we just got to go another direction. And it it brings me joy, but I'm also sad because I had a group of three guys that were from D.C. That was that same kind of situation. And I seen I was like, yo, if y'all don't change, like something is something bad is going to happen. And one young man, like we would take him out and do things and he will see the positive. But when he go back, he's in that environment again. And the problem he had was his mom was in that environment. So it's hard for me to tell somebody to do something when you go back home and your mom is telling you the total opposite. So like he kind of fell off, but then there were two other guys and they did well. Like they went to school now, so they're doing well. They have families and things of that nature. And so they called me all the time. was like, you know, thank you for the mentorship. Like I know it was hard at some time because I was being hard and I didn't listen. But what you taught me was like really helped me going forward. And you know, we hook up from time to time to just kind of kick it. And they tell me all the time. So that brings joy to my heart for them. So there was a couple of moments um, that I can think of were a few guys that I still I can realize that I had an impact and I still uh, communicate with them today. Yeah. Yeah. You um, at every corner for you, um, the impact is what kind of fuels you. Um, and I'm thinking about like just the tangible, the tangible part of the work that you do, uh, which is working with humans. Sometimes it doesn't come until like 20 years later, right? Yeah. And we haven't even been on this earth to see a kid grow up, you know, yeah. 20 full years. Well, actually we have. Now, yeah. Ooh, shoot. But, <laughs> but we haven't been doing this work long enough to say 20 years we've seen the change. Um, I'm thinking about the shift. For a man, I have no clue. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying this from a disempowering perspective, but I'm, I'm a woman. Yeah. Um, and uh, you've transcended from a place where you're just, you were just an inner city kid, you got the education, you got the job, but then you started to shift to purpose, right? Yeah. When it comes to, like, and you mentioned, you kind of touched on it, which when it's like the shift, the struggle for a male, for them to make that shift and for them to get out of one, the struggle could sometimes be their mom. What are some of the like things that you've identified that would just like a, on a principle level help young men kind of um, get out of that like survival mindset and first get to a place where they're like good and mm -hmm. then get to a place where they can actually follow their purpose? Well, one, they have to know that they're in survival mindset. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people don't realize that they're surviving, like they're just survival. So. I do whatever it is by any means just to make it to the next day mm. and you have to be able to show them like bro like I understand where you're at right now but there's another way to do this so like I know it's hard for you staying at your mom's house because people are in or out or this is going on 
come stay at my house for the weekend see what's different so you have to show them something different first before because they have to understand it i kind of tell people it's like inception like i have to impregnate you with that thought before mm -hmm. it can grow so i mean that that's kind of what you do and once you do that then they'll you'll see that them start to reach out and be curious and ask you questions like oh you really think i can do this oh i heard about this you know whatever maybe it's kind of like the same thing when you get a new car like at first you ain't never see that red corolla on the road yeah. now all of a sudden you see it everywhere so once they have that thought they can start to see different things kind of with the affirmations once you say it you start to believe it yeah. things start to come into your path so yeah. i think that's the first thing and then once you do that then you can just kind of spoon feed them from there like little things at a time like oh okay you're changing this let's let's think about this let's talk about the way that you dress the way that you talk like i understand you talk with a slang but when you're in front of certain people you got to understand they're intimidated by you they don't like that this is how you want to talk not to say you put on your white voice but you want to talk a little bit more professional mm. so and then as you start to implement those things and they see results then it starts to grow like oh bro i got that job I bet. Okay, now let's see if we can put some money away so you can get a car. All right, I did this, and then they, then they they in your ear now. Oh, what else you got for me? What else can yeah. we do? So it's just step by step. You got to just do those things. I love it. You kind of unlock my mindset because when I'm working with young men, I do find a challenge. I have a passion, or I say a pull. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's a pull to help young men. Okay. Um, but I don't want to talk you to death. Um. And I think when I left corporate, they, they no longer saw like, I wasn't showing them like, oh, you here with us at the homeless <laughs> shelter, what, what you doing, I'm sorry. Yeah. But what you just said that kind of really is a good blueprint for at least young men is to, you had to show them, like you took, take them out of their environment, put yeah. them into yours, impregnate them with the idea mm -hmm. and allow them to start wanting more. A lot of times I think parents, especially like single mothers, we want to bash it down their head to like say hey this is what you need to learn yeah. this is what you need to do um and even think it to your mom she plucked you out like we about to go to yeah. the school i don't know if she if she knew what she was doing but a lot of times single moms they were just what you gonna do with your life what you gonna do with your yeah. life <laughs> and like i know she was in survival mode mm. like she has a ch she has kids she's trying to make it every day on her own so she like I got to do whatever I do to put food on the table or to survive yeah. the next day. So, yeah. But I definitely think that works for the young men. Mm. Are you the are you an only child? No, it's three of us. I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. So when you grew up, um, did you grow up as like the oldest brother, like raising everybody? Or what was the dynamic for you guys growing up? Yeah. So I am, what is it? Nine and 11 years older than the other two. Oh, yeah. You about so. raised. You, are you, you about older than that? Cooking yeah. noodles and stuff. So I was, you know, the only child for a while and then they came. So, but yeah, I definitely grew up helping. And then one dynamic that I had to, uh, I guess not dynamic, but one situation that I had to get into with my mom is I had to inform her that I'm not her boyfriend because being the oldest, a lot of things were dependent on me. And when it came to disciplining my younger siblings, a lot of times she came to me. So that kind of changed our relationship. So we had to actually sit down and talk about that, which was a tough conversation, but it worked out in the end for the best, so. Okay, now we got, we definitely have to go there because when I think about the uh, Social Proof 7, mm -hmm. we're talking about like dating and like men and women um, dynamics. So you being able to like get a light bulb, did it happen just that easy? Like you realized, oh, hey, my mom's trying to turn me into her boyfriend. I need to have a conversation. No, it wasn't quick, but after a while you realize that like, 
you calling me every time such and such happens or you want me to do this every time or you know that I'm going to take care of it. Like, even though I'm a child, you know, I'm a young man, but like, you're like, okay, my son is going to do it. Not the wild is like, yo, I can't do all of that for you, like, and live my life. Mm -hmm. Or like, if I have a girlfriend, like, oh, well, my son is just going to come over and do this. Like, no, I got to go do this with my girlfriend or I'm going out to do this on my own. So once I realized that we were starting to have that issue, we sat down and had a conversation because I've never been afraid to like say anything to my mom. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, one of the traits that I have, like a lot of people I know, therapy is something that wasn't talked about in the beginning, but a lot of people do it. And I think it's good for people who don't, who feel that they're going to be judged if they tell something to someone they know. Mm. But for me, like if we're close friends, like mm -hmm. I don't have an issue opening up and telling you everything. Like I'm not going to be just biased and tell you my side. Mm. I'm just going to tell you the whole story and you take your opinion from there. So I've always been having open lines of communication with my mom. So it wasn't hard for me, but I, I can tell it was hard for her to receive it. Because yeah. her was like, well, I raised you, I did this, you need to do this. For and I'm like, uh, okay. So we agree to disagree, but at the end of the day, I think it was a good conversation and we realized what was going on and it allowed us to change. Wow, that's a very mature move. It, yeah, it wasn't like overnight, but it definitely took part and it was good. Right, but even though it wasn't overnight, you know, you still had the mental capacity to like navigate that situation. And I feel like it gives you, so when I think about like, um, a lot of people who transition from corporate to nine to five, some of the tough situations, like some difficult situations just never happen mm -hmm. until you go into entrepreneurship because you're going from structure, um, following the rules, yeah. and then you go into this like uncharted territory where you have to navigate emotions and yeah. navigate res like responsibility. At a very young age, you took it upon yourself to have one of the most challenging conversations with someone who's really, really important. Yeah. Do you feel like as an entrepreneur now, because the reason I, the reason I say this is, I do think as an entrepreneur, the setbacks that you have, like some of the ingrained childhood trauma that we have, just surfaces because you're interfacing with all these people. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Do Do you feel like Do you feel like that made you a stronger entrepreneur to be able to navigate some of these professional conversations, or do you have you ever thought about the way that you handle yourself as a professional? and take charge of certain relationships? Um, I don't think I think about it. I think that's just how I operate, how I go along. But I do know like a lot of people lately been telling me like, they was like, even though we're friends, you talk to me like a counselor. Like you don't judge me when I come to you with something and you're always like playing the devil advocate and bouncing ideas. So I think that's just, just the way I communicate. So I never really thought about it like that. Yeah, it's, it's a very, um, you know, sure way to be you have you ever felt unsure like what was it what's it feel like for you give you give me an example whether it was while you're in your job whether you were shifting where you felt unsure and then how do you handle those type of situations well i mean i always feel unsure because i am the overthinker mm. like i overanalyze every situation so before i make a decision i've already thought about a through Z plus A, A, B, B, C, C. Like <laughs> I've already went through all of those scenarios. So uh, now I think being an entrepreneur has helped me because going to some of these conferences, being around these people who, who execute, um, it helps me execute faster. So now instead of me, it taking me a whole week to analyze the situation, I'm like, all right, Brandon, you got three days. Ah. By the end of that third day, you need to make a decision. 
And so that has helped me and now it has cut my process down. So now like by the end of the day, all right, I need to make a decision. So that has helped me move forward because I realized that you're always gonna make mistakes. At first that was me, like I didn't wanna make mistakes. And so if I never tell you my plan, I can never make a mistake because you don't know it. So now it's more so I realize that it's about pivoting. So speaking to like Derek Harper and speaking to Madi, I realized like you just gotta pivot faster. It's because an example, if let's say we're building this microphone, if you go through the process and it takes you six months to pivot because you didn't wanna ask, well, you know, you didn't wanna go through that process, it's gonna take you longer instead of like, I try to put it together, I realize it didn't work in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, ah, it don't work, but now I know what doesn't work and I can change it, I can pivot and go to it instead of it taking you a longer time. So it takes you six months to pivot, it only took me two weeks. So by the time you get on the right track, I'm already that many steps ahead of you. Yeah. So I realize that it's about pivoting and failing often. So I fail, but then I realize what I need to do to change that and so I can pivot and do better. So. That makes sense. So, but from a practical example, what's a failure that took you six months and then a next, the next failure that took you two weeks? Uh, something that took me, um, well, something that took me too long to pivot is becoming an entrepreneur. Like I should have did that sooner. Mm, nah, come I, on. I should have did that year sooner. Like just looking back on my success, like my biggest thing was like, Am I going to be able to pay my rent and sustain myself? And then it was one, I, I, I know nobody in Atlanta. Like I didn't know anybody in Charlotte. I didn't know anybody in Atlanta and I just upped and moved. So I'm like, bro, like I know I have the common sense to live anywhere, but realistically, bro, you don't even have the tools. So how are you going to do this? So I think if I would have took that jump sooner, I could have helped more people back home sooner mm. and see it and make that decision for themselves. Um, and so like things now, I think it's just as like my processes with uh, photography. Like I know in the past I may draw something out because I'm doing it myself. So now that I know that I can pivot now, you know, maybe editing only takes me two weeks because I'm not trying to do all the fine details. Maybe I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and then I return it to the client. So it's just making little tweaks in my process that I have already that I've seen the benefit of pivoting early. I got you. I got you. I think I'm gonna speak into me. I, I wanna success loves speed. Yes. A, you know, and I'm always, you know, trying to if I have an idea, implement as soon as I get it, because it, otherwise it'll just yep. sit, it just sit, sit there. Sit. Yep. Yeah. Um, and as much as I feel like we, we the biggest decision is to leave. That is a big decision, but then those small decisions as entrepreneurs, yeah. I'm like, don't sit on the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like you gotta actually act. So for you. I'm really curious about how you actually made it work. Going from Virginia, then to North Carolina, then Atlanta, you didn't know anybody. So what was the first step that you took to, to plug yourself in? <laughs> I don't even remember. Uh, I don't even know. Cause I know I didn't know anybody in North Carolina. Well, I take that back. North Carolina, I knew one person. My college roommate had moved to North Carolina. But when I moved, I was just like, bro, I don't know what I'm trying to do. I said, but I know I want to be in North Carolina. So can I come stay with you? And he was like, bet. And he was in Raleigh, where I wanted to be with Charlotte. Mm -hmm. So I went and stayed with him with the money. I was like, bro, I won't be here long. I'm just searching for a place. So I found a place and I made it to Charlotte. And then I'm like, what the hell do I do now? Yeah. Like, I'm here. And um, I don't even remember how I came across Brandon's, probably like one of his commercials or one of his videos. Uh, but I was... 
I was already in the mindset that I wanted to invest in myself because I was a part of like the EYL community and they talked about investing in yourself, te you know, learning, teaching, taking courses and things like that. So I was like, okay, I need to find somebody that's in photography that I can learn from because that was one of the issues that I had back home in DC. A lot of people, they were kind of stingy to give that information out because they're like, oh, you're going to take my clients. And I really just wanted to learn. So I don't remember how I stumbled upon Brandon, but I had that thought like, okay, maybe this is something that I can invest in mm -hmm. that is going to show me what I need to know. Um, but at first I thought he was a scam mm. I ain't gonna lie. and I told him because I invested in my money. I was like, bro, I don't know if you're real or not. I was like, I didn't know if you were genuine because you know, like his jokes. And I was like, are you just trying to get people in or is that truly you? So I was kind of skeptical when we did the online portion of the program. But when he had the two day and I got to meet him in person, I was like, okay, this works like he's for real he's genuine and he actually showed me what i needed to know and like we had some some great conversations there and so from there i was like i'm glad that i made this decision i'm glad that i made that connection and i guess he's seen the ability that i had my talent and he was just like yo are you shooting this weekend like come do this and then he seen i was pretty decent he was like come on back like do it again mm -hmm. and do it again and after a while he was like so when you moving to atlanta and i'm like I know nothing about Atlanta. I know nobody in Atlanta. I'm not coming to Atlanta. But then like two, three months later, I'm like, bro, like, you got some spots You're I can right. look at in yeah, Atlanta. Where can I, where so, can I move? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, I, like it was just God's plan. Like, I guess once I gave, once I let go and gave him the round, like he just, he just navigated to me where I need to be. The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. Thanks. I can hear it. Like I can literally hear it. When you say you you found him, I'm kind of scrolling on Instagram. I'm Probably. Scrolling. Yeah, because that's how I found my mentor as well. Um, shout out to David Shans. Um, you said you did an online event, right? And you were supposed to learn what? So the online was like photography basics and you learn the business side. Mm. And then the two days you actually put that into play and you make a commercial at the end. Okay. So what was your level, your experience level before you actually like found this, like these two resources? Gotcha. So photography, I was good. I've been shooting photography since 2000 and I'll say 2014. Oh. So I've been shooting photography for a while. Mm -hmm. I just didn't really know the business side. So that was my whole thing. Like I want to learn the business side. So I wasn't really paying attention a lot when they was going over the basics. Cause I was like, I know these things, but I'm going to stay on here just in case I can learn something new. Mm -hmm. um, but when they also, when they had like the guest speakers or when Brandon was talking about the business side, I make sure I was there for everyone. Cause that's what I wanted to learn. Mm. So, you know, he had people like Ken Collier come on there. Uh, there was other people that come on there, you know, they talked about systems, they talked about credit, and they talked about all these other things that you need. Mm. So I definitely paid attention to all of that. Yeah, I'm surprised I hadn't even asked you this, but 2014 is when you started like in photography. Yeah. I always like that's usually the cat catalyst of like us like starting <laughs> to explore our passion. Yeah. And I never even thought, okay, so you in 2014, what were you doing? So that's when, so 
people. In college is when I got the bug. So I just, I worked all through college. So I needed a job and I ended up getting a job at Ritz Camera. Okay. And so from there, you know, to sell the product, cause we got commission, you had to know the cameras. Yeah. And so I was all focused on money. I'm like, well, if I sell that camera, I get 5%. If I sell this one, I get 7%. Let me see what this <laughs> camera's about. And so from there, you know, just kind of learning about it and seeing people come in like, oh, I was in Africa. I got to take these pictures of the lions. I was seeing the Northern Lights. I seen these pictures. And it was just like, yo, like, this is dope. Like, I like that. And then, you know, people come in like, I captured this moment. Uh, this lady asked me to blow this picture up. Her mom died. This is the last one she took. And I was just like, hmm. And so from there, that kind of made the interest. 2014 is when I took it serious because I had bought a camera before that, but being a Manny, uh, one of the kids broke into my room, they stole my stuff. Oh. And my camera was a part of what they stole. And so from there, I had a moment, I was like, well, is photography just a hobby or is it something that you want to pursue? And I was like, if it's something that you want to pursue, you go ahead and buy another camera, if not, we leave it here and so i end up making that that was probably my, my biggest purchase because i think that camera was like 2700 and i'm like yeah. like i never made no purchase like this before and so i purchased that camera and i was like from now on like i'm gonna take this series and so that was in 2014. you made the decision in 2014. i want to just sit there because like you quit your job in 2021 yeah and the journey from nine to five to entrepreneur started in 2014 yeah. technically and i didn't even know it yet right it's like life is a is a, a combination of many 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 decisions and they you know even no decision is a is a, a decision, decision yeah. right so you made that decision from from 2014 to 2021 i know there's a lot that happened in between there yeah so what was the next shift for you that like just kind of what what happened just did you just keep doing photography on the side was it always a part of a revenue source were you making money doing it i have so many questions <laughs> at first i wasn't making any money i just i did it for the enjoyment like i say i get you let me shoot your party like you open in the gift i see that enjoyment on your face and i can give you that picture it's mm -hmm. something you'll remember so it was just for that but then i started to realize like i was good at it and other people like yo like you're pretty decent like do you shoot this full-time or do you do events and i'm like no i just do it for fun it's just a hobby and so from there i had a couple people like you know just come shadow me like i'll go do this event but i want you to just take some photos behind and we can talk about it we can critique them and so from there that's how it kind of grew and then i realized like yo like i'm pretty decent at this let mm -hmm. me let me try to pursue this. And so I think 2017 is when I actually did like the LLC and everything. Okay. And it was like, let's try to make some money from this. So it was slowly but surely. And that's why I said I found a company that can book the events because I knew I had a nine to five. So I, I realized I couldn't do both. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm, I'm at work. There's no way I can hop on a call with you at 10 o'clock when I know I got clients. So I was like, if I can find a situation that works for me, and it did, like it was love because I started out as his second shooter and I actually met him at a community service event. Mm. So I was doing community service um, and he had a couple people there and he was like, oh, I see you do photography, let's talk. And from there, I did a free event for him. I didn't realize that I was adding value 
But I was just like, I'll come out, I'll do an event. If you like my work, we can go forward. And so doing that, it just kind of built up. I was his second shooter, and then I went to his first shooter. Yeah. So. And the rest is history. Yep. So you um, you keep kind of dropping like sm like small gems and <laughs> little philosophies throughout. Yeah. Like uh, you didn't realize you were adding value, and from there he hires <laughs> you, right? So um, I'm thinking about like your journey. And I'll, I'm going to like, you know, at the risk of getting like, I don't know, like, that's a good question. I'm really curious about your philosophies, right? I feel like in the way that you developed, there was a, there was guidance to get you to your nine to five. There was guidance to get you to uh, from inner city to like secure, right? Mm -hmm. Stability. You following your passion, kind of going into uncharted waters from, in, from North Carolina to Atlanta finding Brandon, getting clients, shadowing people. That part right there is unscripted. Yeah. When you think, but you're also, like I said, you're you're pulling out some gems that work, that you just know work. So similar to you knowing like how to add value in the room and seeing how that turns into actual clients, what are some of the things that you've learned like that you didn't know before that help you navigate in this space now? Uh the networking mm -hmm. it's all about the connections so i guess i kind of was getting groomed with that being in the kappa because the networks but i guess i really didn't put them to work but now read uh talking to brandon and all those different people and then reading books like you know who not how and things like that it's all about your network mm -hmm. rather than you know the financial part so I like when I was going to North Carolina, like I didn't know where I was going to stay, but I had a person that was there. So I network with and I had a good relationship that they allowed me to crash at their place. Yeah. So I think the network is what what has been most beneficial and what I probably lean on the most. Mm, I love it. I'm really like loving your story. Like are you, are you super matter of fact about <laughs> it. I'm like, oh, he's dropping gems. Like you literally are helping, helping me kind of like conceptualize the process for a lot of people, especially those who they feel like they, they're destined for more. They feel like there's something pulling yeah. them, um, but they don't, they don't necessarily like make the move, right? Yeah, and that's what it was. Like I didn't, like I felt there was always more. Like when I was at home, I'm like, this can't be life. Like my mom's struggling. I see family members struggling. Like it has to be something better. Like. This is not how we're supposed to live. And so that's when you start to search, you start to seek and you start to find other people. And then you realize like, okay, they don't seem to be having the same problems I have. They living good. Like, what are they doing that I'm not doing? Yeah. So you just try to be around them. And I realized like a lot of those conversations happen after the conversation. So you have the conversation when you'll have this big group of people, but then when everybody leaving at the end, it's like four or five people left. That's when all the real gems are dropped. And it's mm. like, huh, okay. So I'm always around just listening. I may not know you, but I'm ear hustling. Like I'm trying to hear everything that you're talking about. And so I, like I said, I always knew that there was something more and that's what kind of pushed me. Cause I'm like, my mom can't struggle for her entire life. Like, you know, like your family have these, you know, people with diabetes diseases. I'm like, bro, like, I don't think we meant to live like, like, like it has to be something out there. And it was to the point, like I struggled with God. Cause I'm like, okay, does my family have a curse? You know how you read in the Bible sometimes, like, he may punish you and punish your whole bloodline. So I'm like, damn, is it something that a family member did that I'm getting punished for? Mm. Maybe this is my life. Mm. So it's just like, I had a big tussle with God and it's like, I don't know what's going on. This can't be life. But then like, he'll show you glimpses like, no, I'm not punishing you because of someone else or no, you just got to change your situation. So once I started to get that understanding, 
I started to, you know, go a different direction because my in, my struggle now is, am I following my purpose? Like, do I know what my purpose is? So I ask myself that question probably weekly. Yeah. Like, are you operating in your purpose? And I'm like, sometimes I feel like I am. Sometimes I feel like I don't. So I'm like, ah, I don't know. So I feel like I haven't fully grasped it 100 percent, but I know it has to be with community service. I know it has to be with going back and helping people. And I know it has to be with you. So I'm like, as long as I stay close to those three areas, yeah. I'm going to kind of be in it. And then I think it will ultimately just hit me in the face. Yeah. Um, well, then, it, as you as you um, brainstorm those different buckets, you mentioned the like your family having a curse. Um, and in your response, I would love for you to like explain a little bit more like why you thought your family was cursed because at the time you were making um, substantial money. You weren't walking in your purse, purpose though. Yeah, but like I said, like you still see like your parents are there struggling. This is like, it seems like it's always somehow like when things go bad, everything. It's just like, why is all this stuff continue to happen to us? Mm. Like, is it something I'm doing? Is it something you're doing? Or like I said, is it something that a previous generation done? So for a while I thought that and I was just like, I don't know, like maybe it was something somebody did like my mom or dad, they did in the past life and I'm just paying for it mm. now. Mm -hmm. So, but I never just sat with that like, okay, this is what it is. I'm just gonna be poor for the rest of my life. But so I always still had that feeling in the back of my mind, like, nah, it gotta be something else. Yeah. But then I realized it was just like the lifestyle, like you had to just, had to just get out of that negative energy. Like it was just toxic the way people operate. And a lot of that comes from just operate in survival mode. Like survival is not living. Yeah. Like, and I tell people that all the time and sometimes they get mad at me because I'm like, bro, like you're surviving right now. Like you just robbed Peter to pay Paul, but that didn't solve y'all whole situation they just put a band-aid on it yeah. and so once i realized like i didn't want to survive anymore like i wanted to live and i wanted to thrive mm -hmm. like a lot of that stuff changed for me like mindset mentality yeah the type of people i wanted to be around the energy and things of that nature so that kind of just helped me yeah i um i love it when i think about the a challenge that a lot of people face entrepreneurs a corporate who go to entrepreneurs for sure is kind of like being in the um presence of people who still are in that old mindset so was, uh, um, what was it like for you to leave, to come to a whole different situation, but then still, um, it sounds like you're still kind of in contact with some people who may be yeah. suffering from small mindset syndrome, yeah. right? Um, what's it like for you to navigate those relationships? Like, do you ever feel like you have to cut off a part of your, your past in order to be successful in your future? Um, some of those people I had to cut off because they were just negative. Like I would tell them things or I want them to do better and they would just, nah, but it's gonna, I'm just like, all right, you're just gonna be a negative Nancy all your life. It's nothing I can do. I presented you with information, you don't take it, cool. Mm -hmm. um, but for others, no, like I think that they're helping me because like I'm not super successful, but I think my success that I'm having so far is giving them confidence. Like I know I speak to one of my friends and he just called me like out the blue. I'm like, yo, what's up? Like, you good? Like I need to come home? He like, nah, bro, I just wanted to let you know like, I'm proud of you. He was like, if you think about it, bro, you to move to two new states and you're surviving, you're thriving, you're doing your thing. And you don't, you know, without a nine to five. And he was just like, bro, like, I'm proud of you. Keep it going. So I think it's kind of getting through to some of those people. So that gives me joy and lets me know, like, all right, I'm doing the right thing and I'm on the right path. So now I don't think I, I didn't have to cut off too many people hmm. in this in this journey. But I will say I feel like I'm running a race now and I'm trying to catch my breath. Cause I feel like entrepreneurship is a way faster pace than nine to five because mm -hmm. nine to five, you're used to the structure. 
I can do this at 11 o'clock, I'm gonna do this at three, yeah. and then I'm done for the day. Yeah. Entrepreneurship, like you're always going like, okay, I'm gonna do X, Y, A, B, C, like, and it's like constantly. So now I'm kind of like, okay, because at first I was struggling, I was like, damn, I gotta get these photos out, I gotta edit this, they want me to hop on this call, I gotta do a coaching call, I'm just like, all over the place but now i feel like i'm starting to catch my breath and i'm starting to get a nice pace that i can juggle and kind of handle everything how did you find that balance um structure so what was it i read the four hour work week mm. so kind of like time blocking mm -hmm. um and just kind of keeping some of the things that i learned as being a nine to five like yeah. you know that structure that you have you know, you're working eight hours and then try not to take your work home. So like, boom, I'm gonna work this time. After that, I'm done. Cause at first I was working like 12, one o'clock in the morning. Then you wake up at five or six the next day, don't feel fully rested. And then you're just like, you know, just going through the day. So, and one thing I learned from my pastor, which is Daniel Bridgeford back in Arneson, she always said, be intentional with everything you do. So I'm not just going through life, letting it whisk me along yeah. i'm being intentional what i'm gonna do now i'm gonna take this step i'm gonna go this direction i'm gonna do that and so i think me keeping that in mind and having that on my whiteboard helps me stay balanced yeah there's um there's a myth that i feel like in atlanta when we look at social media every entrepreneur is living this glamorous life yes and um while we are on the trajectory i want to also be responsible with like the story <laughs> <laughs> like what does it look like right so because um, at face value someone could be like okay you you sacrificed your six-figure job for your purpose and yeah. you ain't making no money so what's your what has been your um your journey financially and then like how do you see your your life realistically like extrapolating what's the earning potential of a photographer got you so let's see what i want to start so i um like the potential i see i see i can make this a, a million a million dollar business and i see that because of brandon because I see that he was a photographer who kind of evolved into someone that was running a photography business and now he's in the midst of evolving again. I don't know what he's going to be, but now he kind of works with like businesses and he's doing like the back end. So I see that and I can actually reach out and touch him. So that lets me know it's possible for me. And that lets me know that I'm going to be better than him because he's going to teach me what to do and what not to do. So I feel that that's going to propel me forward. My financial situation, uh, it's crazy because when I was a nine to fiver, I always thought about like, how am I going to pay my rent? I guess that's, you know, that's a thought that we always have, mm -hmm. but being an entrepreneur, the first couple months, I ain't gonna lie. Like I thought about that every damn day. Like, how am I going to pay my rent? Where's this money going to come from? How am I going to do this? They're going to come snatch my car, like whatever <laughs> it's going to be. So, but as each month went on, you know, giving it to God, like I realized that I was able to pay it like, yo all right, I paid my rent this month. I don't remember how, but I paid my rent. So then I started documenting like, okay, so I got HoneyBook was a program that kind of documents all my stuff. Like, oh, I made 3,000 this month. Oh, I made 6,000 this month. So then it's like, okay, it's going from there, it's going up. And so now I'm to a point, like I was just thinking about it this morning. I was like, bro, like I've been an entrepreneur, what, eight months? These last like four or five months, I haven't even thought about how I'm gonna pay my rent. It's just like, how much money can I make and how much value can I add to people? So mm. it's kind of like, now I feel that my mind is shifting, getting away from that nine to five mentality and going more into an entrepreneur. Like, even if photography didn't work, I feel that I 
can tap into other avenues that'll make me money. Like, oh, you can do X, Y, and Z, yeah. you know, like the Toro cars, mm -hmm. or if you want to be a consultant, like anything. And it's just like, okay, so I can see the shift happening. It's like, yeah, I can't go back. Like, and I know like my potential now, now I'm trying to do 10,000 a month. Right now I'm sitting like the 6,000 to 7,000 range, which is covering all my bills and giving me a little extra, but I want to be 10,000 so I can be comfortable. And then my next goal is going to be 20 a month. Mm. So, what do you say for people who want to do that ten thousand dollars a month before they quit their nine to five? I was, uh, I would say, use what you have. So, if you're a nine to five, use that. Have a structure. So that means that you're not going to have that much time to focus on your business. So that hour, that two hours that you got, you got to go hard. Like, mm -hmm. there's no lollygagging. Like, make sure you have a game plan before you get to that time frame. So, like for me, like I know every day or every night, I try to write in my journal. And then the journal I has, it has like three things that you're thankful for, your priorities for the day, affirmations, and then it tells you like, what are you going to do tomorrow? Yeah. So I have those already written down. So by the time I get up, I'm like, okay, boom, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Um, and then that's just what you're going to execute on. So I think if you have a game plan going into it, you'll be able to do that. And don't even start with 10,000. Start with something small like, oh, okay, I want to make $100, you know, a week or $100 every two weeks. Do that consistently. I think, what was it? Mr. Finkland. I can't remember his, Kendall, I think is his first mm -hmm, name. Mm -hmm. He was like, all right, if you can do it, do it for three months and then go to the next one. So make sure you can do that for three months and then up your goal. Let me make $200 and you just go from there and it'll just grow and grow. And then you realize what you can do and what you can't do. And like, once you realize your weaknesses, then you can learn how to pivot and how to change those things. That's really sound advice. 100%. Um, you do affirmations. I remember your last post, which was, um, it was tied to the Social Proof 7, but it was also you reflecting on the affirmations that you yeah. were not saying. Have you always done affirmations or is this a new thing that you're coming into? So I played with it. Uh, so I guess spiritual Christianity, I have always went back, like a lot of things that we do, I realize it, goes, it ties back to the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I realized, because one question somebody had asked me is, when you all are in church and you sing out loud, why do you do that? Because I had a friend who was Muslim who asked me, he was like, you know, we kind of say it to ourselves. And so I had a thought one day that it dawned on me. I was like, it's an affirmation mm. because that song that we're singing out loud. If I believe that Jesus is going to do it, it will happen. So it's an affirmation. So I kind of like played around with them before. But being in Atlanta, yeah, I'm, I've been on them because I'm like, everybody talks about affirmations or you know, I was even talking to, what is it, uh, Pushman Mitch, and he was like, before he got his cars, he had pictures in his home, like to remind him, this is what my goal is every day. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, it gotta be some truth behind it if everybody's doing this. So I was like, let me try this. So I did a couple when it started happening. I was like, oh yeah, let's flood this. <laughs> so my mirror in the bathroom now, it's like all affirmations everywhere. And then I got them on a the refrigerator, on my whiteboard. So it's like, yeah, I'm saying them every day now. Let's go. The power of affirmations it's for me is, uh, is a amazing and I just I started learning things that I was speaking into existence like even before I knew what it was so like you said like we just do them and yeah. then we see them come to come to fruition and we're like oh yeah I'm gonna do this a little <laughs> bit more oh yeah this yeah. is this is a thing I really appreciated your last post and it gave me an opportunity to share my affirmation and like to write it and look at it and yeah. see that not only do I, I believe like affirming myself is a thing, but I also love to say my affirmations out loud. I don't know. There's something about external um, um, accountability that I like. It's like, it's, you know, the question that Dave does, like, where are you going to be in yeah. five years so that when you do it, I can say I, it's like 
I think that's how I connected with a lot of the youth that was in the program because a lot of them like, okay, you drive a nice car, you got on nice clothes, you don't know my struggles. And I'm like, nah, bro, I grew up two blocks from here. Like there was times we didn't have power. Like I know my mom had to decide between, am I gonna buy food? Am I gonna, you know, get the lights turned on? Things like that. So I was like, no, like I understand your struggle to the T. Like I can tell you situations I can be, I've been in. So I think for me, it's just, reflecting back just seeing my mom struggle like being a single parent like taking care of three kids like seeing the sacrifices that she had to take or the decision that she had to make like okay i'm gonna make this decision like i said it's only gonna put a band-aid but i'm gonna have to deal with this bigger issue in the end mm -hmm. and so now being older seeing that she's having to deal with that bigger issue financially like no i don't want that to happen to anybody else and i feel like when i learn about stock market and stuff like that like bro if i'd have had this information growing up like being a person who loves math like i would have been astronomical right now so i just think if i can just if i can be the gateway or the bridge that provides you all of that information like let me be it like let me be the vessel yes i'm with it i'm so, with yeah. it i literally i see it um i understand um why you do what you do I really appreciate you just kind of like going through like the specifics and also not being afraid to say like you trusted God. Yeah. Like, like I think a lot of times what I do is help people get the plan in place, but there comes a time where you just have to trust. Yeah. And it's hard, especially being a person that overanalyzes everything. Mm. I'm just like, God, like, I don't need you whispering. I need you yelling at me. Like mm. I need to know for sure. And it's sometimes it's like, it's not going to be theoretical like you just have to take the leap and it's just going to happen it's like well i didn't plan for that yeah. you couldn't yeah. there's no way you could plan for that so you just gotta like you say and then from there you have to realize it because that's going to help your confidence grow like okay when i get to another position or a situation where i'm hesitant on making a move just think back oh when i was doing that thing before i let go and let god and he pulled me through try it again yeah and then boom that confidence it's a snowball effect this is going to get bigger and bigger and after a while you like i ain't worried about that god gonna take care of it and but Thanks. you're gonna put the steps in place that you need to do and just let him do his part Thanks. Whew. well said <laughs> well said so for you um you're in photography now you're in the thick of it you are um really mastering your craft and you have a couple other things other things on the side but you're letting the main thing be the main thing what is it that you're manifesting um like now for the next 12 months um that we can actually see come to fruition and, and be like oh we said we he said he was gonna do that yeah so for me uh i was just thinking about this last night uh because i was thinking that my I think I looked at it like a wallow little clip or something and he was just saying like how your your goals are within reach so you're not making them big enough. So for me right now, next year I want to do 300,000 with photography. Mm -hmm. Not with anything else I'm doing on the side but just photography. So that's going to take me actually putting systems in place, putting automation in place and actually getting a community of shooters that I can use. Like I know Brandon has this community and that's going to help me grow and expand mine but I also want to have some core people that I can rely on. And that will allow me to step back and do more of like the back end and run it rather than I'm shooting every event. Yeah. Cause I know I'm limited if, that, if I'm gonna do that. So if I'm gonna shoot every event, I probably won't even be able to make like a hundred thousand. But if I put other people in place, I'll be able to expand that. Yeah, and duplicate yourself. Yeah. And let's not forget, like we are humans and yes. we, we have 
things and and whole lives outside of the business that we run so what is it that you're manifesting for yourself personally so personally i want to find a young lady i can chill with so i'm single I don't know nobody down here, so I need to find out the avenues that I can use to kind of get in their presence besides like going to a conference. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I can find places to hang out, I don't know, events to go to. Yeah. Somebody even told me about dating apps, but I don't know too that because they said it's a little, a little shaky in Atlanta, so I don't know yet. You gonna have, you know what? You're going to have to trust. I'm going to You're going to have to trust that um, because I live in Atlanta and people will say like, how was it dating in Atlanta, girl? You know, and I'm like, I've never had an issue. Like, <laughs> okay. I, I was like, my, I, I have never had an, that issue. My ecosystem of thought yeah. has nothing to do with any of the stuff that y'all experience on these apps and in real life. And I know it exists. It's not to say it just doesn't exist in my world. And I think that's because I've trusted that everything's going to be fine. So yeah. I think whatever avenue is going to be. Um, I think the Patreon might have a little bit more about what is it, what it is that you're looking for. Because if you're trying to get with the hottest photographer in the game, um, you're going to have to come correct. Sure. I've seen how you live. You know I mean? <laughs> Standards. And yeah. I've seen the quality of work that you actually put out there. So um, as we all aspire to like just be our best self, you know, we want to attract that and whatever avenue that comes from. Yeah. And I realize I'm going to have to get out the house. Have you ever, I was looking at Netflix last night because I don't normally watch tv but i looked at what is it really love have you seen that nope so uh it's it's about a black movie it's a black movie but a black couple mm. and then in there there was an artist uh who was michael ely and he was talking to his friend which is the guy what is it kofi i think is his name okay the tall dark-skinned guy keep going so he was like Hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play Podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next. Now let's get back to the episode. Because he was trying to be inspired for his work because he was an artist. So he was saying, if you want to be inspired, you got to get out and do things. You can't sit on the couch and expect your muse to pop up. So I felt like he was speaking to me because I'm like, I'm always in the house doing stuff. So I actually have to go outside and meet people. So if I'm going to find my muse. So if you're out there, I'm looking for a muse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We We're taking are. applications for music. <laughs> Listen, but you also have to have your eyes open because remember we talked about that situation yes. where he was so ingrained in what he was doing, he didn't even realize his wife was hitting on him before she became his wife. So we have to be mindful of those things. Yeah. But um, being open, I think all things considered, it's gonna come to you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna be right here just to watch the journey. You're taking all that. Facts. <laughs> yes. So before we get up out of here, um, I always have to reach back um, to those who haven't yet made their shift yet. They are trying to figure out like, what is it that about this whole like entrepreneur thing that is it for me? Is it not for me? And if you would kind of give some clarity around that that journey um, and how and your take on what they need to do to to progress. Got you. I think when it comes to entrepreneurship now, it's not going to be for everyone, but I think everyone should dabble with it. Like, even if you have a nine to five, there should be something that you're doing on the side that gives you that fulfillment because it's going to teach you things that you're not going to learn in your nine to five because in your nine to five situation, you're having someone control the overhead. As an entrepreneur, you have to think about all those things. So I think if you have a nine to five doing some type of project or something that is into entrepreneurial space will help you advance in your nine to five. And you can do both. Um, Knowing what I know now. I could have did both 
it wouldn't have been in the job that I was at because too much was required of me. But if I would have took a lesser job or went somewhere else, I probably would have been able to balance. Mm -hmm. So I would say in that space, you can do both. You don't have to do one or the other. And you don't have to listen to all these people out here who kind of give a negative aspect on a nine to five. Um, but if you're going to do this entrepreneurship 100%, like you can't be lukewarm. So like referring back to the Bible, like you, you either cold or you're hot. You can't be lukewarm mm. because it's going to be spit out. So you have to go 100% balls to the wall. Like I have to jump in full, full throttle. So definitely do that. But also trust yourself, your gut and trust God, man. Facts. I cannot leave you guys with any more wisdom better than this man has done right here. You know exactly what you want, what you need to do. So if you're on that journey and you're trying to figure out how do I make my life look more like that, then if they need to reach out to you, they want to connect with you or just continue watching your journey. How can they continue to, to watch you? Sure. So you can reach me on IG or Facebook at Brandon. So it's B-R-A-N-D-N underscore R-A-M-S-E-Y. And stay tuned because I'm going to put a coaching series together and I'm going to start dropping a lot of content because I don't, I don't drop nothing at the moment. Let's go. We'll <laughs> see. By the time the coaching series comes out, you guys might be hip to figuring figure out how to get in touch with him in that regard as well. So stay tuned. All right. Thank, thank you so you. much, Brenda, for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you for watching, guys. Until next time, I'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.